So <clears throat> I wanted to ask you a question. When was the first time you've ever experienced Jesus as a great provider for you, like personally? Like when was the, when was the first time? When was the first time you, you, ever, you really, really needed God to come through and you prayed and you prayed and then, and then God came through and you were blown away? When was, when was the first time that ever happened? Uh, during summer, I went to a camp called, uh, it's called Gems Camp, um, highly recommended, and there is a speaker by the name of Pastor Rene. He was a guy, Pastor Rene. And, uh, and during this conference, uh, uh, Rene shared that he struggles with anxiety. In fact, there was one time where it was so bad, he thought he was having a heart attack, and so he went to go see the doctor as an emergency, and the doctor's like, you're not having a heart attack, you're having a panic attack. And then the doctor said, I really, really want to see you overcome this, because I just started going to your church, and, <laughs> and it, you know, we can't have you, um, we can't have you like this. And so Pastor Rene, in one of his messages, was telling us of a story of the time when God changed his life. And he was telling the story where his father died of cancer, and he was about four years old. His mom became a widow. His mom was an immigrant, and she couldn't speak English very well. She wasn't naturalized, so she couldn't get a legal job. And so for eight years, they were like way below the poverty line. And so there was one night when Rene was about 10 years old, and his mom brought his sister, who was eight, and himself into the kitchen. And he says a story, like, she looked at us in the eyes, and she said, well, we're out of food. And then she opens up the refrigerator Nothing inside the refrigerator. She opens up the cabinets. There's nothing inside the cabinets. And so she says, I think we should pray. And so I'm in the kitchen, and they're all holding hands, like the three of them, okay? And, uh, and Pastor Rene remembers this so vividly, all forming this little circle of three, and, and his mom is just praying from the bottom of her heart and saying, Dear Vod, we need some food. And then she goes, Lord, I just pray that you would give us milk. My children need milk. If they could just have milk tomorrow. And, and so Pastor Rene, you know, he, he was pre-adolescent, 10 years old, kind of snarky. And he's thinking like, really? And he's looking at the floor, right? And he's like, but honestly, I wasn't really praying. I was just standing there respectfully for my mom, looking down on the floor thinking, this is ridiculous. She's praying to the air. Clearly, there's not a God that's concerned about us because if he were, my father wouldn't have died in the first place. And so you remember going to bed thinking, we are hosed. And he remembers waking up in the morning and he's really depressed and he gets ready for school. And then he opens the front door and he says, he almost stepped into a brown paper bag. And then he bent down and he picked up the brown paper bag that someone had left on the porch last night. And inside the bag were two big boxes of milkman powdered milk. 
and he remembers, he still remembers looking at the, the powdered milk with goosebumps going up his neck. And he's like, uh, Mom, uh, you better come down and look at this. And, he, and, he's, and, he, and he's telling the story, he says, something happened inside my heart. Where it's like, you know, like train tracks, right? And then at the turn, and this click, 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 and then suddenly his life just went a very different direction. And, and, and it's like, who is this God who provides like this? I mean, who, who provides like something good out of nothing left? You guys, this morning we want to talk about living by faith. And, uh, and I, I kind of define it like living by faith, it's stepping out into, it's like stepping out into an unknown future, and you don't know exactly what's going to be in the future, but you know simply that the Lord will provide. You just, you just know his character and who he is, and just by knowing who he is, it moves you from fear to courage. But I just want to say this right in the beginning. Can we just be honest and say, wow, this is hard. This is not easy. Like, Pastor Rene experienced God's provision in this amazing way. But isn't it interesting that he still worries and he still has panic attacks? Which I think means it's not easy to live by faith. I think often I feel like the man in the Bible who prayed, Lord, I, I believe Help my unbelief. Uh, so, by the way, if you look in your bulletin and you look at the outline, you can disregard that outline because uh, the message changed and God has provided a new message. Um, sometimes that happens. It was, it was a grind. It was a grind and I was confused for three days. And I'm looking for, and then Raina says to me, maybe this is a parable. And God wants you to live out the message. Thank you. You know? But it's true. Something happened yesterday morning and it all came together. Now, today we're going to go through a well-known story. I'm thinking that most of the people know this story. But then, here's the thing. We're going to go a little bit further, okay? Well, I, I think people have told this story before, but they haven't really told the after story. That's what we're going to do today. Did you know that this story made it to all four Gospels? Very few events prior to the last week of Jesus' life have made it to all four Gospels. This one did. Isn't that interesting? Turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start at chapter 30. <clears throat> Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going, recognized them, and ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. 
send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups and on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and of fish And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Would you all just pray with me uh, for a moment? Uh, Father God, I just uh, want to pray for your people. And I just want to pray for their hearts. Um, I pray that we would be open to this message. Like, they're hearing my words speaking, but I do pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would ultimately be hearing your words of encouragement and your, your words about who you are, and you would just really personalize this message. Show us something in your word that will bring you glory this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to imagine that you're one of the 12, okay? And so, you grew up hearing stories of Moses, you're, you're an ancient Jewish person. You don't have TV. You don't have Netflix. You don't have YouTube. You don't have video games. So what do you do? Well, you, you, you sit around the table during meals, and you talk. And your dad or your mom would tell stories. And these were people of the word, so they would tell the same stories over and over. Now, here's a story that the ancient Jewish person growing up has heard over and over again. The Israelites were in the wilderness. Wilderness, barren, desert, hot, sand. And God has delivered them um, through slavery with a mighty, mighty hand. So they're in the wilderness. And whatever food the Israelites packed, it's all gone. They ate it. Crackers, they ate, the fi- they, they ate it all. It's gone. And they're hungry. There's no McDonald's, and no in and out There's no lake with fish. There's no field with barley. Desert, barren, sand. Somebody goes, well, now what? And they start to complain. And, and it's like, well, how are we going to feed a million people here in the wilderness? You know, and you imagine, it's like, what, is, is God like going to rain bread down from heaven? And then God, in effect, is saying to Moses, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So in the morning, in the morning, there's going to be bread. And in the evening, there's going to be meat. Now, I just want you to imagine on that first morning, okay? You're the Israelites. You're getting up from camp. There's a really thick morning dew covering everything in the camp. Then the hot sun right there comes out, burns off all the dew, and there's this, this like, like a thin blanket of snow that's covering the ground. It's like, what? And you're, 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 you're like, what? What? And you're like, what? You know? And you're looking around like, and what is this? Right? 
It's very, very thin, fine, flaky. Well, it's manna. You know what manna means? What, what is it? Yeah, what? It's, it's manna. And, and so ever since the book of Genesis, God has been trying to teach his people a valuable lesson about who he is. Over and over again, I am Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. I will provide bread for my people in the wilderness. It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm Jehovah Jireh. And so the 12 apostles, they've just come back from a missions trip. And they were doing things that they've never done before. It was scary. It was exciting. They saw God come through in a big way. And now they're just really tired. I remember when I came back from um, a youth missions trip uh, to West Oakland, I was so tired. I went to bed and I slept for 14 hours. So that's just, just, they're just really exhausted. Now the merciful master sees the needs of his disciples and he says, okay, let's go to a quiet place. We're going to get in the boat. We'll go across the lake, find a nice, quiet place. You guys can just relax. So Jesus, you imagine, he gets up. He, like, dismisses the crowd. He gets in the boat, and they're off. But here's the thing. Jesus is like a rock star, right? And people couldn't get enough of him. So you've seen videos of how people respond to, like, rock stars, right? And, um, and so... People have never seen someone heal the way that Jesus is healed. And they've never seen someone speak the way that Jesus spoke. And so the people want more. And so word is spreading around about how amazing he is. And so when they see him get in the boat, they're kind of looking at where he's going on the other side. And so this is what happened. Bob goes and tells his cousin. Shechem goes and tells his auntie. Rob goes and tells all... His class from school, Caitlin puts it on Facebook, someone puts it on Twitter, you get the point. One hour later, Jesus shows up on the other side. There is a huge crowd of people ready to greet him, 5,000 men. Now, if you include women, if you include children, maybe 5,000 more, so a total of 10,000 people. Now, I just want you to imagine this moment. Imagine Jesus arriving on shore. The disciples were ready to relax and ready to greet them are 10,000 people. Like, what does it feel like to have 10,000 people looking at you? Uh, it, it probably looks like this, right? Now, I just want you to imagine you're arriving on shore, you're ready to relax, and then that's the crowd that's waiting for you, okay? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Now, if it were me... I would be like, okay, all 10,000 people are looking at me. I would feel maybe a little bit nervous. I don't know about you. Uh, but, I, but I imagine the disciples are like, you know, I'm, we're, we're, you're looking at, we're like, we're going to get some, like, we're going to relax. And then they see this crowd and they're like, oh, right? Like, oh, right? I, I just want to point out that when Jesus saw a crowd of 10,000 people, it says that he had compassion on them and his heart went out to them. So Jesus saw them and he was like, oh. Jesus, um, his heart went out to the people. And it, the text says that because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They're, they're like all these kids without a mom. 
They have questions but no answers. They have distress with no relief. They have sin and no forgiveness. And his heart just goes out to his people. That's who he is. His heart just goes out to his people. And so Jesus did what he always does. He speaks. He teaches. It's why they call him the word of God. It's why they call him the light of the world. Now, if I had a time machine, I would love to go back and I would love to sit. I would love to hear what Jesus said. I think he spoke for hours and hours and hours. And then when he was done, one of his disciples, probably Peter, probably came up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, that was a great message. And me and the guys were just kind of thinking, and this is like a desolate place, you know, like we're literally in the wilderness, right? Um, And it's getting late. Lord, maybe you should send them away, and uh, we can relax, and then they can go and get food in the surrounding villages. Now, Jesus does a surprising thing. He turns to his disciples, and it's kind of like, no, I, I have a better idea. You, you give them something to eat. What? You imagine them looking like, what? You, you, no, I'm serious. You give them something to eat. And, and one of them goes, you know, it would, Lord, it would take 2,200 days wages to feed everyone. And I, you know, I did some math. That's like 30 grand, and I don't think we have 30 grand. And if we did, I don't think there's a Costco we can go to. So, and then Jesus says, well, what do you have? And then they kind of do this inventory check. They're looking at each other. Peter, what do you got? John, what do you got? Andrew, what do you got? You know, I, I, I got the gum. I got Tic Tacs. I, I don't, you know, and then, then Andrew, praise God for Andrew, amen. Andrew goes, well, here's a kid, and his mom packed him like a lunch, and it's like five loaves and two fish. Great. Bring it over to me. And then he tells them, go, hey, you guys, go out, make all the people get, get, get in groups on the green grass. He takes the bread. Now, this is my theory. He takes the bread. He looks up to heaven. He says a blessing. And then he tears the bread. Now, this is how I imagine that. He tears the bread, and the, the bread that he just tore, it becomes whole again. And then the bread on the left, you know, becomes whole again, and he has another piece of bread. Tears it, whole, whole, tears it, whole, and it multiplies, it multiplies. And then the fish, he hands one out, and the place where he just handed it, there's another fish. He hands one and it multiplies, and it multiplies. And you imagine someone in the crowd, like way back where David is over there, like, hey, where is this bread coming from, you know? And they got fish too? Oh, they got fish. They got fish? Where's this fish coming from? Jesus is making something from nothing. Now, this is a big deal. You wonder, why did this miracle make it in all four Gospels? Well, from a bird's eye view, maybe it's, maybe if it's amazing if you start to make connections, what this means. And I wonder if the disciples ever made the connection, like Peter. And I remember if, if Peter is like eating the bread, okay? Now, now what happens is they, they pass out all the bread, right? And then they collect basketfuls of leftovers. How many baskets are there? Help me. There's 12. How many disciples are there? 12. What is the meaning behind that? It's not scarcity with Jesus. Is abundance. 
You give, you cannot give God. You give, it comes back to you. You cannot, I mean, there's, there's a huge message here, right? But I, but I also wonder if there's a deeper connection that's going in the minds of the disciples, you know? And I wonder if Peter's like sitting there, he's munching on the bread, you know, it's like, it is like baskets full, and he's like, hey, you know, I was just thinking, like, remember that story that, that mom and dad used, always used to tell about Moses in the wilderness, wilderness, and then God provided bread? And, he's like, and you know, Andrew's like, mouthful of stuff, you know, like, do you, you remember like Moses? People in the wilderness, hungry, and then God provides bread, and like, like, now, wilderness, hungry, bread, do you think Jesus is, right, you, you think he's connecting the dots? <clears throat> Why is this story repeated in all four Gospels? Is that important? What is the point? I think the point is this, Jesus is God. Jesus is God, the great provider. And I think the lesson of this miracle is Jesus is God, the great provider. God the Father, during the time of Moses, provided bread for his people in the wilderness. Right now, in the face of Jesus, God is providing bread for his people in the wilderness. Jesus is God who provides. He's the great provider. And if you know Jesus, if you know his heart, when he looks at people and what he thinks, and his heart goes out, if you know him, if you know him, you know he's a great provider. And you can't separate the two. To know him is to know his heart. And to know his heart is to know that he will provide for his people in the wilderness. Now what does this mean for you? Well, I think what this means for us, one word is this, listen, Jesus in his very heart will provide for you. And if you're in a wilderness, he will provide for you. And I think there's another message too. Maybe it's the message that the disciples got out, which is something like this. God's work done God's way will never lack God's provision. If you give him your five loaves and two fish and dedicate it to him, he will use it to multiply and multiply and bless many, many people. If you all, if you all look right there, there's a Gilbert. Um, he's sitting next to his daughter, Sarah. You wave, hello, you can, Gilbert? Okay, thank you. Uh, Gilbert's a member of our church. He's an optometrist. One day... God gives to Gilbert a dream, and the gist of the dream is, Gilbert, I want you to step out in faith. And so Gilbert has this vision of an eye screening. Okay, now you all know that we do an annual eye screening where it's for several days. We go to the inner city, and we just want to bless the people in the neighborhood. And so really, the eye screening is for under-resourced people to receive love and prayer and prescriptions and referrals and glasses. And we love doing this, and we've been doing it for nine years. What you might not know is the story behind it, and that, that's the story I'm telling you right now. So, so Gilbert has this vision of an eye screen, and here's the plan. Okay, here's the plan. The plan is... He's going to get all these vendors, 
to join in this like joint endeavor to give free equipment, like some of it's you know tens of thousands of dollars in worth, free equipment and free glasses to the people in the local neighborhood. Sound like a good plan? So he starts calling vendors. Would you be willing to come? No. Hey, vendor number two, would you be willing to come? No. Vendor number three, would you be willing to come? Who are you? Okay, so Gilbert comes to this place where he realizes, you know, nothing's working, and I feel like I'm doing this all on my own strength. And so one night he gets on his knees, and he's like, Lord, this is not going to happen unless you come through. Now, this is my paraphrase, okay? Gilbert's like, I see all these people that we could be serving, but all I got, five loaves and two fish. I'm giving it all to you. God, you got to do something amazing. Next morning, Gilbert gets up, calls another vendor. It's a school of optometry, a cow. Lo and behold, it's his buddy. Hey, Gilbert, it's Dr. Ed. He was, Dr. Ed was Gilbert's mentor when he was going to Cal. Hey, would you be one of our vendors? Sure. Now, once, the, uh, once Cal said yes, all the other vendors that said no said yes. And that's how we had our first ice cream. Now, listen to this. We've been doing it for nine years for under-resourced, underprivileged people who totally matter to God, and we've given out 2,200 eyeglasses. We have um, seen about 3,000 people, giving them love, giving them prayer, caring for their needs. We've prayed for probably about 2,000 people in the inner city who totally matter to God. And what was it? It was realizing, look, this is all I got. Five loaves, two fish. I give it all to your glory. Multiply it, and God comes through. You know why? God in his very nature is a God who provides for his people in the wilderness. It's who he is. Normally, in a uh, message like this, this is kind of where I stop in terms of the narrative, right? Like normally when a preacher will preach, you cover this narrative, it, it, it's self-sustaining, we're done. Ah, but because I'm a four on the Enneagram, I want to do something a little bit different, okay? I want to read a little bit more. You didn't get the four, it's okay. Um, I just want to do a little bit more um, because I think there's going to be another insight that, um, that Mark is going to drop. So let's read about the story that comes after this. But here's the thing. I have blocked out one word. Okay? Now, at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to turn to a neighbor and share your guess on the word that's blocked out. Normally, we don't do this to Scripture. Today's the exception. You all with me? Okay, so you might want to kind of get in pairs, and then we'll just kind of read what's next. 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. 
He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out. For they saw him, and they were terrified. Then immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the blank, but their hearts were hardened. All right, I want you to turn to someone next to you and give them your best take at how you would fill in the blank. Now, those of you who have already read the story, you can't talk in this exercise, okay? You can't say anything if you already know the word. But for those of you who don't know, turn. I'll give you like 30 seconds. Share what you think the word or the two words would be. Go. All right, um, here's the missing word. The missing word is this, loaves. How many of you guessed that? No, you did not. You did not, Shinji, come on. I, I did that because no one saw that coming, right? What? What are you talking about, right? The loaves? That was like ancient history, right? Okay, now here, here's the thing. They didn't understand about the loaves, And because they didn't understand the loaves, they couldn't recognize Jesus. Huh. Okay, let me put it this way. There's something they did not understand about the feeding of the 5,000. And because they did not understand this, they now do not recognize Jesus coming to them in their personal time of need. What's the connection? Different context, same situation. They went from one wilderness to the next. And because they didn't think about the first experience deeply enough, they didn't recognize him in the next. It's almost like Jesus saying, if you miss this about me, you're missing me. If you don't get this about me, you're not getting me. I am God, the great provider. Do you get that? Do you understand my heart? If you get me, then you know that I'm going to provide for my people in the wilderness. It's like you can't stop me. I'm always going to be there. You have to understand my heart. Now, let me try to just illustrate this to you, um, but I need a couple volunteers. Uh, Yan and, and Jared, could you choose someone else? No, I'm kidding. Could you guys, can you guys come up here? Thank you. Let's give them a hand. Look at this. Look at this. They're stepping into the unknown. They don't know, you know, what, what faith. No, and actually, Yan, I want you to be here. And Jerry, can you be here? And we're just going to play a little game, okay? I'm going to play a little game. Let me put this table right in front of you guys. Okay. Now, let me load this up, okay? The game is like this. You have two glasses right here and some water. Okay? Okay, here's the game. One of you is going to drink 
uh, one glass of water, the other of you will drink the other glass. Actually, can you guys be like right here so people can look at you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, here's the thing, though. Just to make this a little bit more interesting is um, there's a worm. Okay? All right. Now, just to let you know, honestly, I, I, I disinfected it. You know, I put it in some alcohol. So it's all good, right? So I'm going to put this worm uh, inside one of the glasses, okay? All right. So remember, one of you will drink uh, a clear glass, and the other of you will get infected. Okay. Now, John, I want you to wear this blindfold. Is that okay? Okay. And your dad is going to decide who... Who gets what? All right? Okay. All right. No, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. At any time after you've been given what you've been given, you can say, switch, and then then I'll switch it. Okay? Okay, Yan? All eyes are on you. Why don't you put one cup in front of Jared and one cup in front of yourself? Okay, now you can drink that, and you got to drink the other one, and, um, and you can, or you can say switch. Oh, are you sure? Okay, no, 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 fine. You, go ahead, go ahead, drink it. Yeah, you got to drink all of it. Okay, okay. You can, you can open your... Well done. Well, well done. No, but, Yan, you got to drink that now. No, no, no. You don't have to drink that. You got to drink that. Okay. You guys did a fantastic job. You can sit down. Can we give them all a hand? Uh, so let me, let me just interview Yan for just a little bit. Was there, was there a moment of hesitation... Was there like a little bit of moment of hesitation? Like you're looking at the worm, you're like, no. Was there a little bit? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect you to say that. Okay, and then, and then, and then there was some hesitation, but then what happened? I mean, just. Now, I, I was going to do this uh, with my own son, okay? I was going to do that. And then I had a better idea, but. Um, it, if you're a father you know exactly what we're talking about. It's not like Yan, in a sense, chose. I think as a father, you're just like, I can't. Now, I, I don't know if, if, if you understand that. It's like, I, I can't be who I am and not give him the better portion. I can't. Put it like this. One time, I was playing chess with my son, and I had it within my ability to crush him. <laughs> and I was going to but I couldn't. And this is weird because I love to crush people in, in games. I just was like, I can't do it. it. I just cannot do it. So really, if you understand me as a father, you understand that I'm going to give him the better portion. I, I, I can't do otherwise. It's who I am. Jesus is like, not providing for my people in the wilderness is not me. And providing for people in the wilderness is who I am. And if you don't understand this, you don't understand me. It's the heart of who I am. I am God. 
the provider who provides for my people in the wilderness. It's who I am. But this is our struggle. It's like, like me, like I know God has provided for me time and time and time again in the past, but when there's something tomorrow, I still get nervous. I don't know why. Like it's, it's almost like I know he did it back then, but will he do it tomorrow? And I worry and, I, and I'm anxious. And we just have to remember, church, this is who God is. It's who he is. Jesus is God, the great provider He provides for his people in the wilderness. It's the most natural thing for him to do. It's what God has been doing from the very beginning. He takes nothing, he makes everything. He takes emptiness, he fills it up. He takes darkness, he makes it light. He provides bread for his people in the wilderness. Jesus provides for you in your wilderness. The Lord provides. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And I'm also going to ask you if you just feel comfortable in the next minute, you can stand. I'm just going to give you time to pray. I'm just going to ask the worship team to have some music in the background. And we're just going to come in, in our hearts before Jesus Christ, who is the great provider. And if you are going through a personal wilderness or you just know other people who are going through the wilderness and you just want to pray, we're just going to give you a couple minutes just to pray and say, God, please provide. And just know in these two minutes, it's your time to just ask God to come through. I'm going to give you two minutes. This is your time. Just take what's in your heart and just express it to God. And this is your time. Now, if you've spent the first minute just saying, Lord, this is, this is where I need you to come through. I, I just need this thing right here that's going on in my life. For the next minute, I would just encourage you to think about bread for those around you. When we spend the next minute just praying for some of the needs that we see around us.